Welcome back, rugby fans, to another great episode here on the Rugby Rant Podcast Show, your familiar place to get all the latest rugby news when it comes to Major League Rugby, USA Eagles, and of course, the Canada teams, including USA. Um, as a, as a, it has been an, an interesting week, though, is why we're here on Sunday morning to be able to give you this live episode, a very special way to be able to connect with our fans, because this week, gentlemen, has been an interesting debate flying around the MLR fan zone. Initially, we had done, as we had done before, is to put up the poll to see what the MLR fan zone and, of course, all our viewers of the Rugby Rat enjoy uh, learning more about. Uh, and then right in the middle, we had this news about Dallas pop up and it just kind of shot right to the top as the priority to be able to speak about. And that's why we've assembled our team here today on a Sunday morning to be able to share what we have learned with you as the Rugby Rant fans and more importantly, as the general rugby fan out there. Um, but once again, an opportunity to introduce myself. If you don't know who we are and what we do, we are the Rugby Debate Show where we put our guests to the test in this debate. They will battle it out against each other, putting forth their best points about what they think is true what they think is wrong, and we're going to give them the platform here today. And joining us, we got to my uh, uh, side, we've got Scott, the big guy, Ferrara. We've got Rob, the hammer, Hammerschmidt. And for the first time, we've got Eric Larson, previous Colorado Raptors fan, moved his way all the way to Dallas. And now he's a great ambassador for the Jackal Den supporters group of Dallas. Eric, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. I love your show. Ty, I know you, so it's awesome to actually be able to hang out with you rather than texting, but it's awesome. Right. I love being in it and it's a great opportunity and I'm, I'm happy to be here. Well, you know, it's, it's pretty interesting. So um, for those of you that don't know, um, as I mentioned a moment ago, Eric is uh, originally a Raptors fan like myself. I had the privilege of being the uh, rugby announcer at Rugby Town USA for the final season of the Raptors. Uh, we enjoyed an opportunity to first meet there, and then he moved across to Dallas. And uh, now, obviously, Dallas is not uh, uh, participating in the 2021 season. So I've come to realize that you're the curse, Eric. <laughs> exactly. It is all my fault. It's, the it's fault. all your fault. But, you know, in Support. I see that, uh, you know, uh, Rob, you're wearing a really cool uh, Jackals shirt there. Tell us why you chose that today. Well, first of all, I want to thank our partners at therugbyshop.com uh, for providing uh, us with some Jackals gear ahead of the season. Um, I'm wearing it today in support of the Jackals. I, I think it's um, Dallas is a huge metropolitan area, and I first and foremost want to say that I, I wear this because I want to see them get a team because they deserve one. They have lots of uh Rosh's rugby fans like like Eric and, and like our good friend Rick Collins. Uh, I'm also wearing it uh, to support uh, the boys from the Jackals that, you know, Colorado Raptors guys then went to Dallas or guys that got picked up. Some of the drafted guys, Van Lannan, our good friend Bronson Tullis put on the show. Guys like Robbie Petzer, Cody O'Neill, Chad Goff, Chad London, um, and uh, Carla Nyson, and of course, my guy, Roddy from Lindenwood. Um, you know, uh, just I feel, I feel tough for those guys. And I wear this shirt from the rugby shop because um, uh, I want to show support for those boys. I hope they land somewhere and get an opportunity to play and, and show what they can do on the rugby pitch in 2021. Right. And, you know, for those those fans real quick that don't know, you know, this is going to be your last week to get your rugby rant merch, uh, 20% off. Go to the, the rugby shop.com. Check us out. Use the code rugby rant 20 at checkout to get 20% off your rugby rant merch. We got these sweet hats here. We got the happiness is a good ruck shirt. Um, you know, it's it's great merch. Uh, and, you know, uh, shout out to my buddies, uh, uh, Mikey Brown and uh, Will Burke, who are also on that team. Yeah, well, thanks for that, though, guys, because actually, you know, uh, what you said, they were so perfectly uh, set me up to be able to kind of frame the conversation here today. So thank you for that, Rob. And of course, Scott and Eric, because today we wanted to be able to address what has been going on and really what is the repercussions uh, and what can we learn from this? And ultimately, how is there a way forward? Dallas, let's do a quick recap. Dallas was one of the two expansion teams announced to be able to participate in the 2021 season alongside LA, where they, of course, later were announced as the Guiltinis. Dallas Jackals, right up front, made a great effort to be able to show who was going to be in charge. They galvanized the, the community around them in Dallas. We knew that they were a great hub for rugby, being uh, central to, to, to the rugby component uh, and also in its proximity to the headquarters. 
So it's really awesome to be able to see how they got out there really fast, really quickly, really easy. Ty, Ty can I, and, and I hate to interrupt your flow. One thing that's yep. interesting, and you, and you kind of just made me reflect on this just real quick. It is an interesting comparison when we think back about three or four months. L.A. Giltini fans were absolutely starved for information, and they weren't being given much. And that that's right. plausible because a lot of their management was over in Oz. It was very difficult with COVID to get them things going. But Dallas, on the other hand, was a breath of fresh air comparatively because they had people in Dallas already. We know Elaine Vassie was there. Exactly. We know some structure in place. And there was a lot of information early on coming out. So it gave us a lot of hope for a really solid structure and foundation for 20. Right. And a part of that, that element that was, that, that made it seem like a great sound uh, at beginning is that they got the right people who are actual sports administrators and management in the key positions of leadership. Uh, the teams themselves were being announced, announcing the players. They were having international coaching uh, assistance. So yes, that was great. Like, as you so rightly pointed out. Now question is, Three parts here that I'm going to put out to our audience for them to understand the framework of this particular debate, which is slightly different to what we normally do, but we believe that it deserves the right attention because what we are about to share is what we have learned in combination with what we already know from the league and how we can see a way forward. So we put it into three simple parts that the gentleman on screen will rant about, and they'll be covering these three points. First off, how do we get here? Secondly, what are the possible repercussions of the result of Dallas choosing not to participate in the 2021 season? And finally, we'll wrap it up by talking about what do we look forward to in the future? What are some of the options available to them? We will put our heads together to come up with great scenarios that can see a better and brighter future because ultimately it is a great thing to be able to have Dallas participate in rugby in 2022. But what do they do from here until then? That is why we're here, and we're going to debate the hot topic, folks, because we want to make sure, as always, we continue to grow rugby one fan at a time, and that's why we're here to be able to help you understand, and we're going to start this round off with perhaps one of the great fans who really has done such an awesome job of getting that Dallas team and supporters together alongside Rick Collins of the Jackal Den. Hand it over to Eric. Your opportunity starts now. All right, so... Like we said just a second ago, I'm also a Colorado Raptors fan, so I feel like this just poured salt in the wound already. I was really excited about here, and then all of a sudden it just fell apart. Um, so speaking as a fan, I think what what had happened is uh, moving to Dallas, I already knew kind of the culture that they have about sports, but once I moved here, it was it, it blew my mind, obviously, with the Cowboys, with certain sports. It was great, but I think immediately when I came here, I just – I felt immersed in rugby culture. It, it's just, it's actually here, which I didn't realize, honestly. Um, and so immediately dove into everything involved Dallas. I, I met Rick actually on Facebook before I even moved here, which was kind of crazy. But I think as a fan, it was exciting. And, you know, I was contacting different players from the Raptors. It was, it was just, it was beautiful to see how all this was happening. And then as we, found out a little bit ago that, you know, all of a sudden the Jackals were no more. And I literally, I just put down my deposit for season tickets. So it was, it was tough as a fan to have my hopes up so high. And then immediately I felt like, you know, the rug was pulled from underneath me. So that's kind of where, that's kind of where I'm at right now as a fan, just yeah. disappointed. But also at the same time, I try to keep positive and go, okay, well, you know, maybe now we have a year to even grow the rugby community even more, gain more fans. So really once 2020 comes, it, it's really, we can fill the stands. Right. To them, hopefully. And you know, that's a great point though. And I want to be able to just address that. So it's not unlike what happened or at least the conversations when we looked at the silver lining, I mean, I know the pandemic has had a terrible impact across the globe, but in particular, when we localize it to what happened with rugby in the U.S. and Canada, is that, you know, at the end of March, we decided to shut down the season. Um, so we're nearly about a year on from there. So we all said to ourselves, yes, we know that we're going to be waiting a long time for rugby, but what does that mean for us? Well, that means we got a year that we hadn't had before to be able to continue preparing for the next season ahead. 
That is one of the great things about this opportunity that has already been cited for Dallas in their correspondence, in those press releases, that they're going to be able to, to be better prepared when it comes to the 2022 season. But we still have to be able to address how did we get here? As Eric just mentioned a moment ago, and many fans will share the very same sentiments as you of that frustration in mind that, hey, two weeks ago, I was buying my deposit for a season ticket. And now I'm sitting here with the with being told that I'm not going to have that opportunity. How did we get here? You know, let's swing it back around the table and start it off with Rob on this occasion. Tell us what you think, buddy. Yeah, well, I, I'm going to echo the frustration in a lot of fans out there that Eric has and, and obviously Rick, because they're both in the city. Um, you know, my frustration is also personal in the sense that when they announced their season tickets and I, I went back to their press release, which I think was January 14th, they announced their deposits. Uh, and immediately I got on Southwest and I arranged for tickets um, or, or flights um, to go watch NOLA play on the tail end of my spring break. Because uh, I have limited opportunities as a teacher to get out and get on the weekend and go see some games because there's not a team in Chicago. Um, and it's funny because then five days later, um, all of a sudden the, it's complete shutdown mode. And it's and it's it's almost like this uh, Jekyll and Hyde scenario. You know, it flipped the switch so quickly. The pun. And, and yeah, and um, <laughs> Jekyll and Hyde, right? Um <laughs> So, you know, you wonder what brought that about. And, you know, I think people are, are frustrated and starved for that kind of information. Right. And so, you know, as somebody who has really wanted to be invested in the league, even though we don't have a team here in Chicago, I made that, you know, made that commitment. And now I've had to, you know, turn my flights around to go see NOLA in NOLA. Um, but it does make me nervous as a NOLA fan. You know, will now I be able to fly down there and go watch them play ATL the second weekend? of the month. I don't know. So it, it makes, I think there's, there's ripple effects across all fans about what's going to happen. Scott knows they won't and Rooney have, you know, at least they haven't sold season tickets yet. So he kind of knows what's going on. And I think um, that's an interesting uh, perspective that a team took that approach. Um, right. I also wanted to real quick throw in there. Um, my concern, you know, they had four drafted players from Dallas and uh, those kids, you know, uh, tell us graduated, but he, they all had a year of eligibility left. You know, they went thinking they'd get an opportunity in a new team to show their wares, right? Would their decision have been different had, you know, um, they known they wouldn't get an opportunity to play in 2021 um, and they would have delayed their, their start in pro rugby and perhaps played another year of college uh, rugby? Who knows? I don't know. Right. And these are so many of the questions that we don't have answers to. And we don't really have an idea of when we would have those answers either. Although what we do have is the, the reassurance from the league and their partners that this is a priority for them. Uh, there's been correspondence in different forms that has been shared up and down the chain. And personally with us at the Rugby Rant, as we recently reached out to the league, and before I hand it over to you, Scott, I'd like to be able to share some of the questions that we had asked them in hopes of being able to share more information with you as the Rugby Rant fan. Uh, and then I'll swing it over to you, Scott, because I know you'll have a lot to be able to build on at that point. So addressing some of the questions that had come up and Rob already did a great job of talking about some of them. And let me run through these key questions so you know what we're going to be discussing and why we brought them up. So the first question was, will the dispersal draft, uh, proposed dispersal draft, uh, take place? Sorry, when will it take place? Now, um, dispersal draft, if you're not familiar, also happened when the Raptors chose to exit MLR. What it meant is that the players who were contracted through the league, but by way of Raptors were then reassigned elsewhere, most of them finding a new home in either Dallas or L.A. So something similar is proposed to take place with the existing roster at Dallas. That in mind, we continue to be able to ask, are the teams drafting the rights to a player or drafting the contract? This is something that you would touch on just a moment ago, Robin. We're going to give you an opportunity to return to that thought. And the next question is, if they draft a player, had a multi-year contract with Dallas, Will they be required to return to Dallas for the 2022 season? So you can see how one tends to lead into the other. Continuing forward, if a player isn't drafted or signed by another team, what are they uh, sorry, are they compensated and in what way? Um, most fans immediately had the outcry questioning the welfare of the players. 
right? This is a, an important point to, to the fans. And also it's a strength of our rugby community to have that presence, to be able to say we care about the players uh, almost more than we care about the rugby they play because these are human beings. We want to make sure that they're taken yep. care of. And that sentiment must, must ring true. That must still remain a priority no matter what comes out of this scenario, right? Because that is something that was a credit to the league last year is that they decided to be able to honor all the existing player contracts. We don't know if a similar scenario will exist. What we know from their track record, while presented in similar opportunities, similar cases, they chose to honor those contracts. We don't know if it will end up being the same, but I thought it was worth pointing out that they had done this in the past. So we continue uh, with, with the next question. Will salary caps be raised to encourage teams to be able to draft more players? Bearing in mind, the salary cap is 500000 per a team with a maximum 45000 per a single player. Will that be raised to accommodate more on the roster was the question. Next was, will teams be eligible for an extra foreign player spot, a spot uh, if they draft a foreign player that was assigned to Dallas? Will the uh, season start uh, be impacted? Will they delay the season? Uh, and final question was, when can we expect a revised schedule for the 2021 season to be released to the public? Now, we didn't get an official comment letting us know. However, through sources close, very close to the MLR management and the league itself, the league office, uh, including players and uh, others that are connected insiders, they have suggested that we should be able to see a new proposed schedule by next Friday. Of course, this isn't confirmed. I don't want you to take this as the gospel, but this is the hearsay evidence, and we will share it when we know it comes from several sources that we consider credible. With all this in mind, we now talk about what this means, and we hand it over to Scott Ferrara. So let's get hot, fellas. I think this is actually broken down into two parts. It's the Dallas Jackals as a business part and then the way they handle it part. As a business, we can see navigating COVID is tough. Who knows what the municipality is saying now? that, you know, we're going, you know, we're almost into February. Maybe the municipality has an issue with them opening up. Um, I know uh, fans like uh, Ross Parlin, I'm going to put his his comment up here about the Free Jacks having a year um, to, to build on. I'm sorry, clicked the wrong. There we go. To build on, um, you know, help them. But you know what? Dallas, what, what Dallas was confirmed, what, right before the draft in 2019? Or twenty twenty. I mean, yes. So, so they, so they had, they kind of had, you know, a similar time frame to build on that. I mean, I, I think, you know, really that time frame is for you to prep your players and to prep your coaches and to get them ready for game. Not necessarily. I don't think the impact should have impacted the way they went about doing their business stuff. Um, so I, I think it's that that's kind of off the board. Um, but then it goes into what the timing was. The timing was awful. We know that um, it, it compares to what Glendale did, but the, the the thing with Glendale is with them leaving the league, it just opened up the players to be open. This now has players where you have guys who are looking to move into the city this weekend. Now they don't know what they're going to do. Right, um, and also you know, with the Glendale one is that there were already two new teams announced that they could yeah. be drafted to. We don't have that case. Exactly. And it was the end of the season. There was a couple months to figure it out. It seems True. to me. And and this and you know what? Before I start on this, all four of us have agreed this is the right decision for the Jackals to do it on the business side. If if they were gonna if this if playing this year was gonna make them fail or set them up to fail or have to cancel matches in the season, we don't want that. So we understand that 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 could have been it. But I think we also think this wasn't something that just happened overnight. This is something that you there could have been warning signs that you saw, and maybe you know you should have had a hard pull date a month prior to the season. And then that way we can get, you know, at least certainly before you started selling tickets, right? Yeah. And, and, and exactly. And you have teams like Rob mentioned Rooney. I think LA is doing the Giltinis are also doing it where they're not selling tickets because they're not sure of how many fans are going to be in the stands, but they've also, you know, might be in different situations. Like I said, as, as far as what they can do with not having fans, you know, the state might say, okay, yeah, you, if you're not having fans, great, have these matches, do what you want. Um, right. I, the, we know from players, and, and we've all we've all spoken to a bunch of players that the players were notified pretty much when the public was notified, and that's my biggest my biggest thing that stuck in my craw about it. Um, you know, you have players who are moving 
uh, to Dallas. They're getting jobs in Dallas. They're leaving their family and other places in the time of COVID to play here. And now we don't really know what's going on. Um, we haven't heard an official word from the MLR as of yet when this dispersal draft is going to happen. And as of now, from what I've heard from from players, they don't know either. Um, you know, there was rumors it was supposed to happen this weekend, uh, maybe on Friday. It didn't. Um, I to me, it, it feels like the league was caught off guard as well. So I wonder if there was right. a lot of communication between the team, and the league, until it came to crunch time, and now maybe the league is stuck with it. So I think there's fans are mad yeah. at the jackal, fans are mad at the league, fans are mad at the you know. So at, at I have a Scott. I think it comes down to transparency, right? I mean, I, I think that's that's for me where a lot of the fan frustration comes from is transparency. It's like, right. you know, if it were about ticket sales and ticket sales weren't as strong as they thought, I mean, I, it, it's harder to sell prom tickets in a matter of five days at my high school, uh, let alone, you know, tickets to, you know, Globe Life Park, right, where you're seating 40,000. Um, just a little bit of communication and transparency, I think, would right. buy a lot of goodwill on behalf of the team. To that point about communication, um, Eric, I know that you've been, you know, kind of the guy in the boots on the ground closest to to ground zero in this case. Um, so let's hear a little bit more about the contact that you had leading up to this with Dallas. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. So, well, what's happening is uh, the Jackal Den um, Facebook page, we're actually going to be starting a show. And we're going to be interviewing some of the Jackals players, or we were, and, um, you know, people just all throughout the organization. But what had happened is I'd been talking um, intensely with people in the organization about getting them on the schedule for the show. And it, it was happening fast. And so we were actually putting a schedule together, sending them questions and all of the above. And then all of a sudden, I mean, right after they announced um, season ticket sales, I got mine. And two days later, all contact stopped. And so as a, a fan, I feel like, yeah, we were caught off guard. And honestly, they weren't respectful of us. They, they didn't take care of us as fans. And I know we'll, we'll go back to the players, taking care of the players. But also as a rugby community, if you're trying to build something in Dallas for the first year, and you do something like this, and I, I'm not saying I don't, but am I going to trust you to follow through in 2020? Because right. they contacted me, and I know all the play or all the people that were season ticket holders or wanted to be. Do you want to get your money back, or do you want to put it towards next year? And my first question to them was, Is it actually going to happen? If I put my fifty dollars down, is it just going to lay around and yeah well this is a similar uh, point to what uh, what um uh scott had brought up with his tickets um at at rooney right um you know yes the culture is is that you should be able to carry it over but that's okay if you have confidence that that season will start right um you know and i recently brought up this point in in, in one of the debates online through the mlr fan zone talking about the fans in particular eric um, and the disappointment. But somebody pointed out to me that at this time, Texas sports fans are quite used to being disappointed on the back of the XFL uh, dramas. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's not uncommon in the sports market down in, in, in Texas that it does have challenges like these. I want people to recognize this is not an anomaly, right? This, this same challenges existed in the XFL on a, on a league level. Um, but in particular, some teams struggled more than others, right? 
it's still not an excuse, right? I think and, the, and- the worst thing, Ty, the worst thing that comes out of this is I picked them to win the goddamn Texas Cup. So what the hell am I going to do? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's quite funny. What the, frig? what the frig, Dallas? Like, I mean, I, I, I all the fans who feel like they got screwed, I feel like the big guy got personally screwed in picking Dallas to win the Texas <laughs> it's Cup. It's all about so, you. It's all yeah, about you. Right. Yeah, right. yeah, I mean, I could care less about Eric and Rick and, and, and all of the Big guy, I mean, big ego. Yeah, seriously. They personally, they personally screw me. But I think here's the difference. Here's the difference in my um, – in, in, in my ticket situation is I kind of in living in New York, knowing that watching the other sports teams not have fans and, you know, the hockey team, the hockey started, they're not having fans right now. At the end of 2020, I said, okay, I want to forward it in hopes of having a 2021 season. But I kind of knew in the back of my mind, based on how the state was going, that if, if things didn't finish or get, get better, they probably were going to play without fans. So I think it's a little different. Mm-hmm. There was unknown, but again, there was expectation because you could you could see it. I feel like there's unknown and right now. That, that. They just had a massive uh, outside investment too, which is a vote of confidence yeah. in the franchise. Well, well yeah, and no, I agree with that. You know, it's it's a totally different situation when you're talking about NFL, NHL, et cetera, where you have sixty thousand seat stadiums that are consistently selling out. Globe Life Park, no disrespect to well any major league rugby team, but forty thousand seats, they're gonna you could socially distance and still put all your season ticket holders in the stands and have them see matches. Yeah. But here's the, here's the thing. And, and it's not, it's not, sorry, it's not league to league. It's the state mandate. So my point is, is looking at the other teams in uh, the other New York teams in the state, yeah. you know, because Buffalo is in an outdoor stadium, they're putting 6,000 people in a 70,000 person stadium and the governor's allowing it. But I could see why he wouldn't want to do that maybe in a 5,000 seater because in a league that he doesn't necessarily know, and that doesn't that doesn't have the advantages of, of the big money to help if there is a COVID issue. So I can see that 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 was my vision of of knowing so that my let me, let me, uh, pause on that point. Um, you mentioned that state by state, obviously everybody knows everybody's in a different situation around the COVID climate. Uh, what they can and can't do is quite different. Um, George Killebrew recently went and did an interview where he had mentioned that. They were all teams were encouraged to be able to sell tickets, right? Because it's right now probably the greatest revenue stream available to to rugby in the US and Canada. Understandably so. Everybody has their own challenges in doing so. So some teams said yes, some teams said no. Rooney decided our situation is different to yours. You do what you need to do. But that being said, we're not going to sell tickets. But you know, uh, uh, you know. So I guess the question I'm trying to ask is. Do you think that the league is allowing a little bit too much autonomy for these these teams to run themselves that could lead to more scenarios where more Dallas situations come up at the last minute? Well, I, I think in a fledgling league like this, obviously uh, ticket sales revenue is an important piece of their uh, financial game, right? They don't have the big uh, TV revenue deals, TV revenue streams that they can draw from like the NFL, the NHL, the NBA and MLB, right? So I think it's a little different situation. I don't know that I have a problem with uh, allowing the teams to manage this crisis on a per team basis because all states are a little bit different. They have to make a decision that's going to comport with what's happening in their state. I'm just saying, in my opinion, Texas is one of those open states. It's not too different from Georgia or Louisiana. The gold are going ahead with ticket sales uh, I talked to Jared Cusimano from uh, from the NOLA Gold, and he said, hey, we have some space to spread out. We may You may not be able to see, sit near Benji, okay, but uh, we'll be able to spread out. You'll be able to sit in the same general vicinity. So mm-hmm. I guess that's where I'm coming from is that um, I understand the league's position and allowing teams to right. do this on their own, but in a state like Texas, it, it didn't make as much sense to me and why they're doing what they're doing, which comes back to me to transparency. Right. So let me take the opportunity before um, we come closer towards the end of the segment. And I know that there's a lot more that we can cover. And I want to reassure our fans that are watching the Rugby Rant podcast show. Not only can you continue following us through this medium on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, under the handle uh, at Rugby Rant pod uh, for any more news that will come up. But we're going to make sure that we definitely stay on the topic you know, there's a lot to learn. We're working with the league and, uh, of course, with their marketing teams to be able to learn what we can when it comes available. And in addition to that, we're working with players and other insiders just to be able to understand 
more. Um, and as we do, we'll continue to share it. But let's get back to the original points that we had designed for the framework of this show, which is how did we get here? Second up, we asked the question, what are the possible repercussions? We've addressed some of those. We asked some important questions to the league. But finally, how do we move forward from here? So what I'd like to be able to do is to go once around the table with each three of these points and hear some of your thoughts before we wrap up this round. And again, if you are watching this episode, I do thank you for this opportunity to to, to open up the conversation. And we want you to be able to drop your comments below. Let us know what you think, right? This is a debate. We want to make sure that we're addressing all of your concerns because we will be returning to this topic when we know more. So let's open it up to Eric first. Seeing as you had a lot of contact leading up to uh, this, you know, postponement announcement with Dallas, let me ask you, what are some of the key factors that might have led here? How did we get here? Um, You know, what are those steps that kind of got us this far where the season now has come to an abrupt end for Dallas and postponed? Yeah, that's a good question. I I saw a comment below uh, pop up on the screen that obviously we cannot – take away from the fact of COVID. I know we can't blame everything on COVID, but we have to say something about that. I mean, if we just say things teetering around that, that's fine. But also like we have to say, yeah, COVID is probably part of the issue in the fact of, I know that when I'd received a contact from the Jackals, they were going to do social distancing. They didn't say exactly what it was going to look like, but they kind of showed us pictures of, of what, what was kind of happening. Um, I've also heard from some people that asked me the question, do you think it's a financial issue? Um, and and I, I disagree with that uh, because of, I mean, as we know, Dallas is kind of a wealthy, wealthy area. And with the people that they brought into the organization, they have good pockets. They have deep pockets. And so I don't think that there was ever going to be an issue to be able to accommodate fans. Um, but also just talking to some of the players is it. It, it we don't know how it got to this point because it was like blurred vision kind of it, it all of a sudden it was being here in Dallas we were getting promoted a lot like we would see and hear from a lot of people local about, news coverage and stuff you know that was yeah, being aired on TV and a lot of stuff on Facebook I know it doesn't seem like that much but social media is huge now and mm-hmm. so we see consistent stuff with that. But then it all stopped. And hearing from some of the players, it it was almost like they were offended. Of We don't know what happened because we were so excited. We were talking about all the contracts, talking about moving here, and then it stopped. So obviously I want to give the grace period to um, the fact of COVID, but also I don't – coming to the I don't know how we're moving forward because of, again, I hate saying it, but the COVID aspect. We don't know what's going to happen in different areas. Dallas is open, like we said, but what's going to happen in the next few months? Right. And, to to and that like, point, though, I mean, I, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but right. since we're circling back around to the COVID topic, I think most people do understand that the climate we live in, that is a mitigating circumstance and a factor in your decision. But there must have been other signs along the way, right, that fans would feel frustrated, though, you can't just you can't assign one blame, right? And I don't think you're doing that by any means, Eric. You're just no. saying, look, it is a factor, but that's a factor for every team in the league. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we have to Ty, let's not forget the team that's most affected by COVID, Toronto. Absolutely. Because of absolutely. because of getting into the country and and, and quarantining. I mean, yeah, Bill Webb the, the, the travel, you know, there's compounded issues. The thing that, that Toronto fans and and shout out to Karen and shout out to Doug is they're going, hey, he has said we're going to try to make it happen from right. A to Z. We have plans going on, so they're even contemplating relocating to a, a location here in the U.S. just so they're inside the border, so the travel I mean, is restricted. And, and outside of the Toronto hours, we've heard from other teams that they're trying to help Toronto in whatever way they can to play. Yeah. You know, so I mean, right. it's. It seems Sharing to be a false venue. Yeah, 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 Bill, Bill, and other pe- and other owners and other teams—they're all talking to each other to try and get it done. So, right, I mean, they, they do have that. And here's something that I wanted to be able to point out: this is unfortunately not the first time we've been burned around the COVID issue in 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 MLR, and the same for other sports. More importantly, 
We've seen this type of thing before, and why aren't we addressing that? So let's go back and rewind a little bit. Glendale, um, under the pressure of COVID, canceling the season in 2020, made their announcement that probably would have been an inevitable announcement at the end of the season, but it gave them that window to say, hey, we're out, guys, and wash their hands and remove themselves, change their focus, whole nother topic, go check out those episodes, right? More importantly, then we had somebody who stepped up to say, hey, we can fill their place. Canaloa, right? Now we understand that that had severe limitations, but one of the greatest reasons they said they came out with being a factor in that failed bid and to join MLR was around the COVID restrictions and the COVID uh, practices that are yet, you know, undetermined. So in amongst all of that, we still had two new expansion teams that were confirmed with LA and Dallas. And Dallas has been a founding member from 2017, is yet to field a team. Is this just more of the same? Are we repeating history, gentlemen? Well, I think that the issue is one word, union. They need a player union. The players are only represented by their own representation, and they don't hold any bargaining power. Okay, it happens once in Glendale. Again, it, it, for at the time, it was the worst-case scenario. We lost a team for the league, but it happened at the end of, of the season, like we said, yada, yada, right. yada. Now it's happening two weeks before the season, and all these players aren't – they're not being communicated with up until the time of this broadcast. So real quick, I want to show you the first communications players received according to some of the, the, the people we spoke to. Um, and I'm going to read it out loud for, for those that are listening. It says, Dear Jackals players, we continue to work through issues related to the Jackals withdrawal. We have been in touch with staff from your team who are updating us on your interactions. Thank you for your patience as we navigate this. You can expect to hear from us over the weekend as well. As always, please reach out to HR uh, for, with any questions. Best, the league office. Now, that, that was their first communication with players, right? So... Let me it, just say it, for the purpose of this so we know we don't get anybody in trouble. We're not asking you to email MLR, okay? <laughs> Let them sort it out. they got enough to worry about, yeah. believe me. Yeah. MLR, MLR, is sorting, MLR is definitely sorting it out. But That's here, not what we're asking anybody. I just wanted to be clear. <laughs> and, and unfortunately, this this seemed to be, you know, the next communication with that the players got from MLR. And it's it it it. this is in mind why we, we need to – talk about unionization and actually go through it because there's still, the issues are still there. Um, and so mm-hmm. this is the communication they got this weekend. Uh, let me try and full screen it. And uh, again, I'm going to read this, read this one for you guys. Dear Jackals players, we are still working through the consequences of the team's 2021 season withdrawal to, to set expectations. It is unlikely that we will have any further update until early next week. So that's going to be next week starts today. Hopefully Monday or Tuesday, we're going to have some more information, right? That's what this email is saying. Um, however, if anything should change, contact HR. We are very cognizant on the impact this has on your personal lives and are focused on resolving all issues. Your uh, patience, uh, your, you will, thank you for your continued patience. So, I mean, those communications to me seem like the MLR, got blindsided by this too. I mean, that, that's how I felt about after yeah. seeing those communications, which have been verified by several players. We all, all four of us know. So I think that that's why we have to say unionization is the key because the players have to be represented. So that way this doesn't happen again. Right. And that is the, the maturing of the league is to be able to have that type of representation, which does exist in all other professional uh, uh, leagues that you need some sort of representation just for moments like these, and you know this, and again, I circle back around to it. This isn't the first time that players have been burned, and in some cases, this is their second time for certain players. Um, you know, and again, we do feel for them. And what I personally love is that how all of those fans on the MLR fan zone who participate in the debates about rugby in the U.S. and Canada have all shared the same sentiment. They want to know: Are the players being taken care of? Right. So first and foremost, these are human beings who deserve to be able to to be where they are. They worked hard to get the recognition that they do deserve to receive a professional contract and have it swept out from underneath you so quickly as it has is disappointing. As a fan, to be able to be invested in the growing brand and to be able to share your money with them to buy the merch and buy the ticket is a compliment to an organization that you have that faith in them. Have they unfortunately lost that faith? We don't know. That will be told, you know, come next season. However, I do want to be able to ask you, gentlemen, an interesting point. 
if you are going to have to pull the plug, if the inevitable will happen that if it wasn't two weeks before the season and it was two months into the season that the same result would be there, isn't it almost better to do it before? Well, it, it, it surely is. Okay. So I'm going to put that in context, but it, it's, it's interesting you bring up, you know, and you've said it multiple times. This isn't, the, you know, we've seen similar iterations of this. I think it speaks to something I talked about uh, a number of episodes ago, and I can't remember which one, but it's this. I think the league could be preventative moving forward. It is a growing league. They are experiencing growing pains of being new. Unionization is inevitable, and you could either embrace it and establish a good relationship moving forward with the players union to work through problems like this, or you could shun it and it can be, it could be more and more and more of a, of a contentious issue. Secondly to that, I think the league could move into a situation whereby they have terms and processes that all new franchises must follow a calendar. If you will, we know franchise expansion is coming. Why don't the, doesn't the league have teams do like ATL did, like New England did. I think uh, there was Ross Parlin. Thank you for for uh, shooting us a message. He talks about the Free Jacks, um, they, you know, the uh, the OGDC. They all came in, had a whole, you know, uh, exhibition season, um, and and then they were able to come in a league, the league right. a year later. And uh, I believe so- you mentioned the same thing when you were talking about Canaloa. Right. Why isn't that the game plan? Right. It should be the same game plan. Any team that wants to come in, okay, here's your franchise fee. Thank you. Here's the plan you agree to follow, right? You have to follow this plan. And even if it delays the start of a season and delays opportunity for ROI for for ownership, so be it. They understand the terms of coming in the league. They understand what the rules of being in the league are from the get-go, and there are no surprises. It's a roadmap. And, you know, and then to that point, I know we've had conversations about this between you and myself, Rob, that I don't think it's properly clearly defined what are the steps to being able to launch your franchise. And if it is, it's not being properly communicated to the fans because with Canaloa, and I don't like to be able to recycle this information, but the reason it's relevant is that they were under the impression that they were in only to be told, hold on, there's a negotiation period involved. That was the first time anybody had heard about this when they were on the verge of announcing their involvement. So it was an was it an additional step that was added, or was it always present? I think it circles back around to one of your most uh, a key points is transparency. Yep. So I wanted to be able to read a statement that I had received in response to our email sent to the league and uh, their official response. Um, Actually, I shouldn't phrase it as such. I should say a response. Let me retract that. It's not an official response, but a response that I had received um, in correspondence with with people connected to the league, not directly with the league, but nevertheless, a relevant comment is, we will take our time to make sure all the stakeholders, teams, players, sponsors, and the league have the best opportunity to be successful. Um, So the reason I say that, and let's and perhaps find an opportunity to be able to close this section out here. And I'll go once around the table with a final thought. With all the players in mind that are affected, with the fans that are disappointed, with the league that itself that perhaps could better define how you should be entering your first season, with all of these factors in, to consider, we have to be able to ask the important question, is this perhaps actually for the best if you knew that you weren't able to complete your your commitments and you would have disappointed audiences, crowds, lowered fan confidence, investor confidence halfway through the season with the collapse, the repercussions would have been far greater in my humble opinion. Let's go once around the table to hear your opinions. Let's start with Eric. Um, I guess I'm going to start out with, I'm just going to be positive. Um, Honestly, I I pointed out earlier that I think even though the timing um, is, wrong and um, I don't think that was handled well I do think what can happen is they can better figure out a way to kind of make everything successful right away I think that when there was just that little glimmer of okay we're an expansion team we not we may not be able to put exactly what we want out there so instead of this 
Let's hold back a little bit so next year we can explode and we can be the best that we can be. I love that. So again, it, it is blindsided, but I think what's going to happen is giving a year, we're going to really be able to see everybody else in the league, kind of see their standards, and hopefully Dallas will pick up on that and say, let's one-up this. We are now prepared, even though it goes back to 2017, we're able to continue to develop and put the best market and everything on the field. Right. Put your best foot forward. Sometimes you got to take one step back for that to happen. It's handed over to Rob. Yeah. um, So I kind of akin this to uh, an engagement. Uh, Two people stay engaged and things are kind of going rough and and they go right up to the point where they say their their vows, and then the bride runs out, and that's essentially what happened, right? The brides run out, and everybody's stunned and shocked. Are you saying frankly, it's a case of cold feet? <laughs> absolutely. And so here's the question: It's a good thing if right. the bride learns from the experience and looks back and says, "What can I learn from my relationship, and how can I enter into my next relationship in a much better and more positive situation?" But if the bride doesn't learn the lessons that were were to be had, then it's a problem. So I it's like all about piece. how you come away from this experience. Do you right. make it out of failure can come success? I had a conversation with Michael Baska about this. Okay, out of failure can come success, but do you learn from your failure in order to achieve success? And I think that's the question, and it hinges upon that question. So what you're saying, if we break it down, is that this was a marriage that they were entered into with the league, and right now they're just on a break. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully it's not a Ross and Rachel break, right? <laughs> but, you know, it, it, there's merit in what you say. Absolutely. You know, and, and I do agree with a lot of those sentiments. But let's before we offer, offer our opportunity for my final thought there, let's hand it over to Scott. I'm wondering now, uh, was Mrs. H trying to run away from you, Rob, at the altars? <laughs> that's, that's a lingering <laughs> question in my mind. Uh, I, I got a great story about that one. <laughs> Rob always has a great stories. Uh, if, if you haven't heard when you're old, story, you great stories. When you're as old as I am, yeah. they, they just naturally come about. <laughs> well, check out our, our, our previous episode with Ronald Bacuzzi because uh, there's a great story there about Rob just shit in the bed in the second half of a, of, of a match. Anyway, um, I think I made my point clear at the beginning of my rant. Um, I think I made my point clear at the beginning of the rant. I think it's good for the, if the Dallas Shackles decided that they had to not be in the league because they were not going to make it through the entire season. Again, we've talked about the merits of how they did it is one thing. Um, but I, I really – I really do. This is what I want to say to the fans. I know personally four teams that have told their players show up February 1st, start practice and get ready to kick ass. I know that's just me personally. And and I'm sure that the other guys in the show have been in contact with friends on there on, on, on other teams that have said the same thing. So as a fan, I'm confident the season will, will start on time. I'm confident Rudy will play their match. I'm confident that, you know, the, the, the season will go on. Uh, our buddy Benji says, does this mean the schedules will change at all? I would I would believe the schedules change just because we do have that um, match of the it week. Might, on it might have, arguably so. It's got more balance now. Well, and, yeah. and we you know, the way the TV is worked, um, you know, we do have that uh, a CBS uh, match of the week that's on television, and I'm wondering if some of those Texas Cup matches were going to be on that. So I'm, I'm going to see – I'm having – I plan on seeing something different, you know, maybe different start times. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad that they didn't come out with a, a television schedule yet. Um, but I think right. uh, Ty said, or Rob, somebody said that we're, we should see a schedule by Friday, hopefully. But anyway, uh, I think all is well, all is calm. Like Kevin Bacon said at the end of uh, Animal House, you know what I mean? Like I said in a post, um, you know, everybody just needs to be basically calm down. Like rugby is not coming to an end. This is not the MLR fallout. You know, it's, 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 yes. I mean, are these the growing pains of a league that is still new and undergoing pandemic conditions uh, with limited investments, with limited revenue streams? Absolutely. I mean, what that has already been achieved, I'm surprised to be frank that we haven't seen more teams that, that have fallen by the wayside by season four in a brand new league in a very saturated sports market like the U.S. is. And when you look at that, localizing those media markets, 
arguably so, Dallas itself is even a more saturated market, but yet has a great rugby culture, as Eric had pointed out. And that's what they can leverage in the next year in their build-up to next season, where hopefully we might very well see them take on local teams at uh, MLR Academy level while they build their staffing, their structure, and, and reconnect with a rugby community out there in Dallas and surrounding areas, which I know is a focus that you, Eric, had mentioned. So I want to be able to hand it to you right now before we close out the show. Any shout outs you want to share with friends or family or for the fans close to home for you? Well, obviously, I just want to give a shout out to all of the um, the clubs that are honestly there. They're still supporting the Jackals. I know I, I haven't heard a ton, but there has been a little um, vocalization out there that, hey, we're behind you. This is great. Um, so I think that there already still is that relationship. I was afraid that there would be a fractured relationship. Um, but that's where I think what's going to be really cool about this is I had mentioned earlier that we're going to have the Jackal Den show. And so what's awesome is in, instead of immediately jumping into just talking to, about the Jackals, right now what we're able to do is we're going to be interviewing like kids, interviewing tons of coaches in the Dallas area because when 2022 starts, we want to have a relationship with the community because right now it's there but not at the level that we want it to be. So I think what's going right. to be awesome about all this is really connecting the community. And then I'll just go back again. And that honestly should be a part of your roadmap to a launching franchise, right? Is you need to be able to galvanize the rugby community around you, set up roots, right? Build it, uh, that community around the club. And they will be. The one thing rugby fans are, while we are small, we are mighty as a group, right? They're very loyal fans. I know Scott and Rob have, I, and myself have spoken about this at length. Um, and there are new bids coming that are using this as a framework for their success. And I uh, will be touching on those subjects in more episodes to come. But again, there needs to be, from what we understand, a, a much clearer defined pathway to launching your franchise and hitting these milestones, which may exist, but if they do, fans should know what some of those milestones should be, right? And then every milestone that you hit builds a greater fan confidence, builds a stronger connection to your rugby community. And of course, will put you in a better position for when you finally do launch. And myself, and I believe I speak on behalf of Rob, Scott, and of course, Eric, who joins us here for this episode, that we are very, very in tune with what is happening inside Dallas and, and around there. We're going to stay on top of it, but we all want to be able to see it succeed. Absolutely. That is what we step away from. That is where we can do it. Together, all of us as fans can be great contributors to their success and likewise for your own teams closer to home or that next big franchise because without any of us, none of it is worth it. None of it will work. So from myself as the host of the Rugby Rant Podcast Show, my name is Ty Braga. On behalf of Scott Ferraro, the big guy himself, alongside Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt and Eric Larson from the Jackal Den, make sure that you subscribe like and follow us at Rugby Rant Pod. Thank you for watching this episode of the Rugby Rant Podcast Show.